Volpo's the only guy on the team that also wears glasses. I always feel disgusting when I look at my glasses. Like it's the there's nothing will kill your confidence faster. Like I clean them pretty much every day. Ish. Waffle, you think that's a good rate? Like, I don't know. How often You have to. I know I do, but it's just like I take them off my face for a second, I look at them, and they're disgusting. Like people are looking at me. Do people like people look through the lenses, right? Because I don't notice other people's dirty lenses, but like I just looked at mine right before we started the show and I almost I was like, I can't do the show today, guys. I'm too gross. Yeah, look at yours. Are they disgusting? No, they're clean. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, look at Mavo clean his glasses. They're gross, man. Why? Why is it like this? How does it happen? I don't I don't get it. It's gross. Anyway, uh Leafs lost in overtime again. Hey, stop me if you've heard these things before. Leafs couldn't score in regulation five on five. They didn't get more than two goals. They looked great defensively. They scored on the power play. They extended point streaks for their big guys. And then they got caved in in overtime and looked like a team that, honestly, you know what they look like when they play overtime periods? It's it's NHL All-Star where guys show up and they're just playing shinny. They're just playing for fun. Ha, 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 blind drop passes, who cares, icing, who cares, turnovers, who cares, that's what they're doing, that's them in overtime, and, I, like, I'm running out of theories here as to why a group with some of the most skilled players in the NHL just can't get points in the extra frame, and that one sucks last night, right, because that's the first time by my estimation this season where you could really say the Leafs got goalied. Like last year was a lot of crying when they weren't winning some games of they got goalied. Hey, why do the Leafs always get goalied? And it would be against random dudes. Sorokin is nasty. There were some great A 10 bellers in that game. Leafs probably should have scored earlier too in the first seven minutes where they were just kind of caving in the Islanders. They had that post opportunity that just doesn't go their way. It feels like they're a little snake bit at times, but Sorokin was awesome. And for the most part, Shalgren was okay. And I thought to myself, good for this kid. Good for Shalgren. Every, nobody wants to see him in the net. Frankly, that I think that's pretty fair. I think that's fairly true that very few people are still standing on Shalgren Island saying, give this kid a chance. Most people want to see the other guy, Keith Petruzzelli, get an opportunity. The kid who's in the AHL, who's been great this season, at least take a look at him at the NHL level. And he makes just some confounding play, turns it over, doesn't really get back in his net. Boom, it's 2-2. Islanders go to overtime. And again, it's the same script. It's the exact same script. Loose, too loose, not quality play on three on three. And I think that, so I've mentioned this before, but for the most part, I don't really care too much about how a team plays three on three or this team in particular, how they play three on three, because this regular season is just a test. All it is, is a test drive for what they're going to look like in the playoffs. And, and for the most part, again, yesterday is such a confusing game because they played awesome. That was by, in my opinion, their best game of the year. They're clearly a team that has dedicated themselves more defensively, that is ready to play low event hockey. They didn't have TJ Brody in the lineup last night, and they just locked up a team that might end up being in the playoffs. Islanders aren't the most skilled offensively, obviously, but 
they whooped their ass at the game they've been trying to play for the last few seasons. Leafs have adapted. They look like a team that can win, in my opinion, more of a playoff-style game. The fact that their third stringer was in that last night, you barely noticed him till the very end, that was really, really good. But yesterday was the first time also where the overtime losses started to bother me to a degree. Just from the standpoint of, okay, so everything is a test run for the playoffs, and so who really cares evaluating them in a skills competition that's not going to apply to the postseason? Understandable. The bigger takeaway is the process, not the result of that game. Cool. They're not going to have Shogren in that. They're probably going to have Brody. They're not going to have to play three on three. Got it. Check, check, check. But, man, that's five straight OT losses. That's five points down the drain. And given their talent, I don't think that it's outrageous to think, hey, they could have won all of those games. That's five points off the board. If you look at just the standings right now, that's just about what separates them from the Bruins, them being completely out of a race with the Bruins. I don't think Boston's going to sustain this, right? They're 9-1-0 in their last 10. Leafs could have been the same. They could have had the exact same record over the last 10. And instead, like, they're a couple points up, two points up on the Lightning who have a game in hand on the Leafs right now. And yeah, it's, it's unbelievably early to be looking at the standings, but you start to accumulate that many, like, you lose that many loser points or get that many loser points. Yeah, you get that many loser points. You lose those extra points. It just, it's starting to feel like something that could loom at the end of the year. Kind of like when what, a few seasons ago when they didn't have a backup goaltender and they kept losing on back-to-backs with backups in net? And you went, yeah, okay, they're not going to end up having a backup in the postseason. They're going to address this, but eventually this is going to come home to roost. And if everyone loves to complain about how hard the division is and how important home ice is and blah, 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 well, these things are going to start to matter. Um, My next guest, or my first guest today, uh, actually watches the Marlies. How many people in the city can say that? It's Kevin Papetti, uh, the athletic and Leafs hot stove. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Doing well. Yeah, watching the Marlies is the only way to see an overtime win in this city, unfortunately. Yeah, nice. I'm getting a little bit tired of the overtime. Yeah, do you have a theory on it, why they can't get this done? Because most people just do the shoulder shrug when I ask them about it. Yeah, I think it's mostly luck. But last night, I thought there were some bad decisions. I thought, you know, Matthew starts off with a shot that he probably shouldn't have taken. Nylander, I don't know if Nylander's was a mental error, but he just stand on it, bad mm-hmm. turnover. And then Marner with a bit of a questionable turnover as well. So, you know, three-on-three overtime is kind of like playing without a shot clock in the NBA. You don't have to shoot it. There's no pressure to. You don't want to take any bad shots. And it feels like sometimes they're they're taking some shots that maybe they should be circling back and, and looking for a little bit of a better opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I think that at this point, it's getting a little past luck. Maybe this year, and I'm sure there have been those times where it's happened for them. But, yeah, you even go back to last season or you just even look at the number of losses that they've somehow accumulated with Marner, Matthews, and Morgan Riley on the ice. Again, if you could draft a three-on-three team and you went, hey, who are the three guys on the Leafs you'd pick? It would obviously be those three, right? I I don't know. Maybe you pick Nylander instead of one, but those would be the first three guys that you would think of. Um, I think that most common people would end up picking, and those guys just can't get it done in overtime. To me, maybe there is a discipline or a focus issue. There certainly was last night. Maybe I'm... you know, uh, casting it a little bit too big. But I I would guess that this is now going to become a bit more of a point of of emphasis for Sheldon Keefe and co. So the positive of the game is everything that I outlined beforehand, which is that the style of play seems to be working for them in terms of 
yeah, winning games and accumulating points. The five-on-five offense is quite uh, bad. Uh, I think the last time I checked, they were 24th in five-on-five scoring. Uh, despite playing the sixth most minutes five-on-five, that's probably changed as of this morning. Uh, I should have done that before you came on. Either way, what do you make of the style of play? Yeah, I thought last night was pretty encouraging just from a defensive uh, perspective. It looked like they played shutout hockey. They they could have definitely deserved a shutout. One goal off David Campen in. The other goal was just kind of on Shelger and Shelgren only. So uh, out of the players in front of Shelger, no one was really responsible for a goal against. Uh, considering that, you know, the shutdown pairing from last playoffs, Muzz and Brody, they're both out. Riley was missing the third, so they were shorthanded. It, it was pretty impressive from a defensive point of view. I thought they definitely... They definitely deserve two points. But at the same time, the Islanders are a team that's given up a lot of scoring chances this year at 5-on-5. The Leafs did get some chances, but I don't know if they got grade-A chances on Sorokin. I don't know if Sorokin stood on his head. I'd say he played well. But at some point here, you need to see some 5-on-5 offense. It's been an issue for for most of the season. We'll take the strong defensive play. But at some point here, someone has to step up and start scoring at 5-on-5. Yeah, uh, I was glad that Matthews ended up getting one last night, even though it wasn't the the goal that everybody wants, right? Which is him just stepping into one, ripping one. But yeah, that's, listen, you're going to score 60 goals, you're going to tip a lot in. And I like that Lilligren, you know, made it a point shot that ends up getting through and they, they find a way to score, I think, a little bit differently than they've been trying to for the most part of the season. So I, I want to get you on today to talk actually about a bunch of the AHL pieces with the Leafs because there's... I think that there's a couple of stories about who could be getting blocked, who should be playing, and whether or not they have certain guys that might actually be a solution. I'm going to start with the goaltending because, yeah, Shalgren was mostly fine last night, and he's a third-string goaltender, so I don't really expect too much from him. They're supposed to get healthy at this position fairly soon. Like Reports are that Samsonov is going to be back on the ice today. I would anticipate that. Yeah, they're going to have both of their starting the season goalie tandem back in action heading uh, uh, going forward this week. But would you have liked to have seen Keith Petrozelli get a chance in one of these NHL games ahead of Shalgren? There, there really does seem to be uh, a push from Sheldon Keefe to give Shalgren a chance. I think he likes him. I think he feels as though maybe he's had a bit of a rough go. But with this team, again, the way that they've played defensively and the fact that yeah, Shalgren has now cost them, I would say, a couple of points in the standings. Do you think that Petrozelli has shown enough where he should at least be given a look uh, at that third-string position? I would have liked it just for the story alone. I mean, I'm not sure how many people saw the video, but when the Leafs needed a goaltender, they kind of announced it in front of the room that Keith Petrozelli was going to get a, an NHL contract and get the call up. And it was a really cool reaction. So I think for the story alone, I was rooting for him to get to get at least one game. Uh, he went back to the Marlies after that. His first game back was was not the best. I think he gave up like six, seven goals or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he is a goalie. He kind of reminds me of, of Matt Murray a little bit in that he's you know a hey. taller goalie. He's quite skinny, but once he has the equipment on, it, it seems like he takes up half the net. So he's very early on in his pro career. Um, I think he's just got about you know about a dozen games or so of, mm-hmm. of pro experience. But he was someone who was pretty highly regarded. Um, in the draft, he was drafted by Detroit. And I do think that if he was drafted by the Leafs, that there'd probably be a little bit more hype around him, a little bit more familiarity with, with the fan base. But because they signed him out of college, it's, he's a little bit more of an unknown. So I don't know how he would have done. It's, it's a little bit 
unpredictable with goaltenders. I mean, I haven't been expecting Murray and, and Samsonov to do this well uh, mm-hmm. as they have this year, but I guess you never know. But at the same time, just for the story alone, it would have been a cool, uh, a cool experience to see him in that. Yeah, I, I think Shogren is a little bit better than he gets hated on for, but at this point, I just... I don't know what you're really trying to find out about him. And so for me, yeah, I'd like to see the other kid. I just think that the stats at the Marlies have been good enough where I say, even without really seeing you, uh, I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to see you in an NHL game and have you just maybe stay in your net and accumulate that second point. Because, yeah, I I think a lot of goalies could have picked up two for the Leafs last night. So Nick Robertson continues to sit. Um, it's a growing story. Sheldon Keith doesn't want to talk about it, but people want to know about it because it's a 21 year old who came into the season, uh, as the story of the preseason, who his first game in, he ends up scoring two goals. He looks like potentially a solution for the Maple Leafs on the wing where you go, Hey, maybe this kid can provide them with some of the secondary scoring that they've been so desperate for someone else who can actually score the puck. He sits again. Um, How much do you think, obviously, like a kid playing in the AHL is better than him sitting in a press box, especially for this long, but I'm starting to get a feeling like he's not a part of the organization long term. What kind of return would you need to get back in a trade if you felt like the Leafs did move Mick Robertson sooner rather than later? I want someone with control. I think uh, the the cap is expected to go up in in the next couple seasons here, maybe just a little bit next offseason, but we're, we're expecting a big jump at some point, and I think if you can get players that are locked up long-term, uh, we're going to see some free agent contracts coming up that are more than what we're used to. So the, the players with term, uh, you know, Jacob Trickin, he's been hurt. If he hadn't been hurt, I think he'd be a great fit as kind of a Muzzin replacement. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, I think if you're the Leafs right now and you're looking at trades, you're still kind of in the evaluation stage. I mean, their goaltending has been great, but there's still a chance they need to go out and get a goalie at the deadline. Uh, I think things could go downhill. We'll see. Uh, I think in terms of defense with, with the Muzzin injury, uh, you still want to keep an eye on it. You might want a defenseman. I think a lot of people do want a defenseman. And then in terms of forwards, and they could, they've been looking for a, a top six forward with Tavares and Nylander or Tavares and Mara for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think what position you go out and look for is still up for debate. I think they'll take their time with that, but no, I do think Robertson could have a future. He, is, he has a wicked shot. Right now, it's just tough to find him the, the right fit. I think the fit with Tavares is a bit awkward. You you kind of want both players with good two-way players who are good in transition and can set them up. And Robertson's a little bit similar to Tavares in that way in that you know, if, if you play them together, you're really banking on their, their right winger, whether it be Nylander or Marner, to carry the load defensively, to set them up, uh, to, to gain a zone. So I don't know, you know, you're looking at Robertson, obviously Bunting has the, the job with Matthews locked down right now. The Tavares fits a bit awkward. David Camp is, is playing defensive zone starts, boring hockey. He's not the best fit there. And then, you know, Robertson on the fourth line, unfortunately, Kelly Arncroke isn't the best playmaker. Pierre Engvall is not the best playmaker. So you're not really setting up Robertson all that much. Maybe eventually Kerfoot goes down to the fourth line and Robertson makes sense there. Uh, Robertson loves to shoot the puck. It looks like Kerfoot's allergic to shooting the puck. So maybe that's the fit in the future. But for right now, I think he's on the outside looking in until there's there's an injury or some poor play from the bottom six. Kerfoot has some genuinely hilarious highlights this year in terms of <laughs> his just l- lack of willingness to put the puck on the net. And I, I kind of don't blame him because the times he has put the puck on net, 
it's looked quite bad. Um, it's not working very well. I think he's still sitting on the one power play goal, right, from very early on in the season. To me, there's there's like a couple takes already that I feel very um, secure in. One is that I don't think that he should be a top six guy. Two is that I don't know where he slots in in the bottom six, but yeah, he makes $3.5 million. I've been saying this forever that – they're just not getting enough out of that money. He's been okay during some playoff runs to kind of confuse me and make me go, well, maybe this is the type of guy you need in these kind of situations and you have to just kind of put up with some of the bad in the regular season, blah, blah, blah. He, he's not the answer in the top six. They're going to need some way of getting that better. And I just don't like the idea of waiting for a 21-year-old kid to show up or 20-year-old kid, however old that Matthew Nyes is, coming from college and showing up with a team that has championship aspirations and, and them hoping that he's going to get some minutes in the top six. They're, they're going to need to address that eventually. And if Robertson's not the answer, then I'd rather them use him as a trade chip to try and bring back somebody else who helps them. Problem is, is I, I don't know uh, what his value is because everybody that I keep talking to is saying, yeah, it's not, it's not what you might hope it is for a guy that had his pedigree and who still, like you said, might be able to score at the NHL level. The one guy I kind of wonder about in terms of not playing in the top six, but just playing on the wing somewhere and maybe allowing the Leafs to shuffle things around is Joey Anderson, who's just, he's shredding up the AHL right now. And usually, yeah, AHL numbers are hard to, to look at for certain guys. You go, yeah, okay, who's getting a ton of minutes and opportunity and blah, blah, blah. But his, this is a guy that they did identify as someone they wanted. And granted, this is a couple of years ago in the Janssen trade. They bring him in. There was always a little bit of hope that he was going to be one of this team's depth forwards who could kind of do it all and maybe provide a little bit of scoring. Do you think that he's being blocked right now? Is this someone who should be playing or getting a look in the NHL? Uh, I wouldn't call him up right now, but I do think if there's injuries, he is someone that could that that looks ready. Uh, the nice part about Anderson, he's pretty well-rounded. He is a smaller player, but he is someone who kills penalties. He is someone who uh, can be trusted in defensive zone starts. Um, not the best transition player, but he's also weirdly good on the power play. He's a really good net front player on the power play, even though he's small. The Marley's power play has been terrific to start the year. Uh, Anderson looks like prime James and Reeves like at times as part of the net. Uh, he has racked up a lot of power play points, which is a little bit of my concern, probably the reason I wouldn't call him up. Um, but if if a need arises, he is definitely someone who's you know probably that that quad A player in baseball looks too good for the AHL looks like a bit of a fringe player for the NHL, but someone that, you know, if Melgan goes down or if an Aston Reese goes down, uh, depending on what you want to do with Nick Robertson, of course, I think Anderson's someone who's definitely going to factor in if, if a couple injuries occur here. Mm. So, yeah, what I kind of feared, which is that it's a 4A player and not somebody that's, <laughs> you know, that is getting a lot of those, those AHL points that people look at and go, oh, this is great, but actually turns out to be not. Um, what do you make of Pontus Holmberg so far? Because this is the other one is I really do feel like the Leafs third line, they're, they're going to end up keeping Engvall um, uh, despite my protesting. Uh, they're not going to be able to move off of Kelly Yarncroft because he's got a four-year contract. Those guys kind of feel set in stone, set in place. Maybe... Uh, just getting that winger slides Kerfoot back down into that role, and maybe that's just a little bit better, more workable. But again, that's not more offense really sliding down the middle. Um, do you think that Holmberg has a chance to kind of secure this job, again, in a season where they're really trying to win? Yeah, I've liked Holmberg. I think that line, I mean, Kelly Arncrow's numbers to start the year were, were awful. I think since Holmberg's joined them, it's been much, much better for that line. I thought they played well last night. Uh, really didn't give up any chances against. Didn't score either, but they did generate some good chances. And 
I don't know what they do on the Marlies bus trips, but it seems like they just forced Holmberg to watch David Camp play every time they're on the bus because he, he reminds me a lot of Camp. He's always in the right position. Drew a penalty last night. He set up Yarncroft at the end of the game there that almost sealed it. Uh, but I think just the defensive play from him has been impressive. Uh, you do, I do expect them to re-sign David Camp, but he is a free agent this offseason. And if you look at Holmberg as someone who maybe can slide into that role if, if Camp ends up wanting a, a huge raise or something. So really you? encouraged by him. He's not going to be all that impressive offensively. He's not ever going to get power play time. But, you know, I would like some more bottom, some more offense from the bottom six. But mm-hmm. right now it is nice when they have a lead because I trust the Camp line. I trust the Holmberg line. Keith with a, with a one-goal lead last night was playing them both in the final minutes. You can just roll four lines. If the top six scores enough, it is nice to have a, a shutdown bottom six like the Leafs have, and I think Holmberg's a big part of that. Yeah, listen, I, I'd like a little bit more five-on-five five scoring throughout the lineup. I think everybody would. At this point, it's starting to get a little bit frustrating, especially given, yeah, the money that is tied up in that top-end forward group and, yeah, what it would look like if the power play starts to take even a, a little bit of a dip back. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm never, ever advocating for not paying David Kampf, okay? That's the, the king of the show, all right? He's he's getting paid. He's just handing them blank check, and they're just going to sign it. Uh, Kevin Papetti, uh, this was fun today. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, buddy. Uh, Kevin Papetti, The Athletic, and the Leafs Hot Stove. And, yeah, <sighs> Jobo's firing out all these stats. They're in this, like all their expected goals and they're expected this. And yeah, I do think that some of the least five on five stuff is just positive regression. That's where you've got to hope for is it a game like last night where just, you know, one or two of those goes in your shooting percentages, eke up a little bit and you're fine. I don't think that the Leafs have played that game that they had last night over the course of these 20 games. I think that that is again, their best performance of the season to me so far, complete 60 minutes should have gotten the result that they needed. They're getting less home plate chances than they have in years past. They're not getting to the middle of the ice as often. And so while they're still getting shots, they're generally not as dangerous as they have been in years past. I think they're three high danger shots less per game right now than they were a year ago, which is, it's a pretty you know, startling statistic. They're much better again in their own end. Their forwards are getting back in a way that is really, really impressive. Looks like very much team buy-in to win. And to me, this is still a more sustainable winning style, what they're doing right now, especially given their like personnel all the way through the lineup. And especially, especially given where they're at with their blue line composition right now, who even knows what's going to end up being, uh, what's going to happen with Morgan Riley here. But, if the, if the scoring is going to go up, I think that you need to take some of the pressure off the top guys. And to me, as much as Holmberg has been fine, that can't be the long-term solution. And it certainly can't be the long-term solution having so much reliance still on Alex Kerfoot. And sorry, Stewie, I still think that it's probably more prudent for them to try to move off of that three and a half million bucks and spend it some way a little bit better than that. Anyways, quick break. Uh, we'll kick around some of the stories that we missed yesterday. Alec Manoa. Keep talking that talk, big guy. Sportsnet 590, the fan. One of these days, Austin, you got to show me your Spotify. <laughs> you are all over the map, bro. It kills me every show. Like Every time I got to wait for what song you play, I'm like, what, what now? You know? 
You'll play like Ragtime and then Linkin Park and then Drake and I don't know. I just think, yeah, <laughs> you're you're all over the place, man. Uh, all right, Jobo, uh, what did we miss, buddy? Well, the Blue Jays and Cody Bellinger rumors are getting a little interesting. There appeared to be a parody yeah. count yesterday that tweeted that the the Blue Jays and Bellinger are nearing a two-year deal. Yeah, this, this 16 million account. with a player opt-out. This guy apparently nailed the Schneider thing. This is me yeah. doing very little research, but maybe, just maybe, this guy broke that. Well, j- just because of the name, I'm not going to say it on the air, but just because of the name, I don't trust it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and John Morosi uh, also reported that the Blue Jays are one of the teams that is favored to acquire Bellinger. We do have the clip um, mm-hmm. of, of, of him saying that. It's quite long, though. Mm-mm. It's a minute, minute 37. Yeah, we literally talked about this minute during the break, Joe. We were all like, we're not going to play it. And then Joe, in an act of desperation, tried to point to Austin to play this minute and long clip. No, we can paraphrase it. He's saying that he would be, um, yeah, surprised if they didn't end up with one of the two guys. Which Two seemed, guys being Nimmo and yeah. Bellinger. And so I saw a thing on ESPN today where all of their top dogs, mm-hmm. all their top baseball dogs, the diggity dogs, they all sat down in a powwow and did one of those pieces where, oh, man, the baseball editor loves those pieces where they send out an email and go, hey, guys, uh, can you just give me a little blurb quickly about who's going to go where? And everyone writes predictions. And having been someone that's written some of these before, I can tell you normally it's kind of like half thought that goes into mine. So I'm going to assume it's kind of half thought that goes into <laughs> theirs. But either way, three of the seven thought that the Jays were going to sign Nimmo. And... Out of those three of the seven, yeah, the, the numbers were essentially five or six years and over $120 million. $120 million was the lowest projection that they had for Nimmo. That's a, it's a big chunk of change. Average of about 130 Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for Brandon Nimmo. I got to tell you, it just... If you're going to spend that much money on Brandon Nimmo, hey, go ahead, spend money... I, I like spending money on baseball teams. <laughs> That's why I'm pro spending money. But I also understand that teams do have budgets. Even the Yankees might end up losing judge because they tried to pinch pennies. Okay. We're in a completely different era when it comes to what owners are spending on these baseball teams, which pisses me off because there's really only one team, the Dodgers that's operating like a big league club. They only have one fake world series, but still they're doing it right. They're spending money. I wish the Jays would spend more. My only thing is if you're going to spend 120 million on Brandon Nimmo, why not just get crazy and, and find more money to try to get in on the Carlos Correa sweepstakes? Like, yeah. And then, sorry, but then trade Bo Bichette for some outfield help. Or whatever you can get for Bo Bichette, the best possible return, but with the eye of, hey, we would like an outfielder. Or you can get a little bit, you can get a little bit more aggressive with whatever pieces you have on the farm or wherever to help you with those outfield pieces. It just feels like to me personally that Brandon Nimmo is not so good. This isn't George Springer, right? When the Jays had George Springer in free agency, you went, hey, this guy is a bona fide playoff stud. Mm -hmm. World Series, not cheater, champion, stud. Go out and get him. Can play center field, all this different. It was George Springer. I don't feel the same way with Brandon Nimmo. Will I be excited? Will I talk myself into it? Sure, sure. Is it way more money to go get Correa? Probably. You're going up in the 200 million zone? Sure. I'm just saying that if we're getting into that kind of territory for that player, where he is making bonkers money for Mm -hmm. being Brandon Nimmo at age 30, 
I'd rather just roll the dice and find the money under the bed sheets for one of those two shortstops at the very top, Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Anyway, um, so if you're spending big money, you might as well. You're saying just go all the way. Yeah, go, go all the way. The dogs. Go all mm-hmm. the way. It just. I'm sorry. I can't get that <laughs> excited about Brandon Immo on a six-year contract that's over 130 million bucks. It's just I, I I understand the parameters of free agency as well as anybody. You're not paying for the fifth and sixth years of that deal. Hell, mm. you're calling it a bonus if you're getting the fourth year of that deal. It's a good thing when a front office spends money. I'll talk myself into Nimmo a little bit more when it's there. He's a good on base percentage guy, fits the team, all that stuff. Like I get the fit, I get the interest, all of it makes sense. Just for the amount of money that he seems to be getting, it will be very interesting to it'll be very interesting to see what Correa Turner get and yeah, wonder what if they could have just found more money out of the mattress. What if they would have just broken into the rainy day fund and decided, hey, you know what? We're we're paying one of these two guys. If that if that proposed uh, contract from the what we think is the parody account about Bellinger, two years, sixteen million. That's not bad. That's not bad. It yeah. would a player opt out in the second year. Well, you know, I stand with that parody account. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, he but, did call the Schneider the Schneider thing. But I don't even actually did. know if that's true or if that's just the internet gaslighting me into telling me that's true. I, I don't be. know. It I don't know. E- either way, it was just fun yesterday to have that kicked around. And yeah, people are funny, and so mm-hmm. well, I'm into it. Uh, and it fits what his what his agent said about the one year deal hey, as well. If if you can get Cody Bellinger on a two year deal at that kind of money, mm-hmm. to me, you can take a shot at that. That is exact. What did I say yesterday? He can't be the Teoscar replacement. He can be the Tapia replacement. That's the kind of contract that you go, oh, that's high-end Tapia. That's mm-hmm. a high-end fourth outfielder who can show up, who can compete for a job, who can try to prove that he's different if he's hitting. You don't think if Cody Bellinger shows up here and he's actually raking that he can get a shot? My issue with it is if you're Cody if you're Cody B, Cody and you B. got the pedigree, and you're 2019 what you were in 2019, are you really signing to come to Toronto to be a fourth outfielder? unless it's way more money than some other place. I don't know. It just feels like one team in baseball would promise Cody Bellinger an outfield spot. There were also this tweet about his numbers against the shift. And of mm. course, for those of you paying attention to baseball, for those of you that are fans of the game, <laughs> the shift is going away. Mm-hmm. Here's what I would say to that. That applies to everyone. I'm guessing that there are a lot of players who get like, do you guys watch baseball? There's a shift a lot. <laughs> so there's a lot of players in the league that you could apply those numbers to, but also, yeah, my guess is the Dodgers have those numbers that whoever discovered these things about Bellinger versus the shift versus not, uh, the Dodgers know, and the Dodgers, the team that does spend all the money, has decided that they're just fine and dandy with letting him walk. So it's just, I'm not saying that he can't be better. I'm not saying that I'm not intrigued by bringing him in there. It's just, hey, this it's kind of like when we find stats for our gambling and go, how stupid is Vegas? <laughs> and you go, nah, this, is, this is easy. Yeah, this, this is, is free. They're, they're not stupid. Although I did overthink it yesterday with uh, James Conner. Mine hit. I know, but I I overthought it because Arizona sucks against tight ends, and mm-hmm. I I have George Kittle in fantasy, and I started him, and I really believed he was going to have a big game. I bet on him to have a touchdown in that game. He scored it. I, I should have just gone with my brain. Instead, I overthought it last minute. I double-clutched because I just didn't want to have too many things invested in the George Kittle basket, and I'm sorry to the audience for that, okay? Hand up. That's on me. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, Cody Bellinger, bringing him in is fine. Brandon Nimmo, bringing him in at that money is better than fine. 
It's just, it's a lot of dough. It's a lot of dough. It's a lot That's of a lot of money. Dough. Anyway, uh, that wasn't the Jay story that I liked the most from yesterday. Oh, um, the, the Alec Manoa yeah. on Serge Ibaka's cooking show. So, Serge Ibaka's show is... How hungry are you? No, yeah, the name is that. But I was going to say, is it the best show? What's a better show than that? Like, any kind of show. Television, radio, podcast, internet. What's what's a better show than Serge Ibaka's show? The Office? <laughs> like, the, like you gotta Prison Break? It's so it just we get something awesome from it almost every time. He's the best personality. It's such a great idea. Anyway, it worked out so awesome. So the premise of this is that he's got some kind of what is it cricket juice? It was like it was cricket juice, and there was yeah. like actual crickets in the juice. Yeah. Anyway, he's got this cricket juice, and the premise is is that if you don't tell the truth or you don't answer the question, you have to. Drink, drink the juice. the juice. And if you do give an answer, Serge has to drink the juice. So uh, here's Serge asking Alec Manoa uh, a really good question and Manoa giving an even better answer. Who is the worst cheater in the baseball story? In baseball history? <laughs> yeah. Cheater? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, what he did? Yeah, he cheated. He used a lot of, like, sticky stuff Yeah. to make his pitches better. Dude, wow! And he uh, he kind of got caught out, caught out on it. Okay, yeah. dude. First of all, who's the worst? Like, who's the worst cheater in history? Is what a what a question? What a way to frame it. This is why Serge is the man. This is why Serge is the best. He's he's asking the tough questions. Do you know how, how jealous I am of Serge getting to ask that question to Alec Manoa and he gives him an earnest answer? <laughs> That's the, what dreams are made of, people. For a person like me, that's all. What do I do? I say. I have a bit called truth serum and it turns out that truth serum is making someone drink crickets. That's all it was. All this mind control stuff that you see in the movies, who cares? It's all about the cricket juice. I need to get some cricket juice. I need that power to have over people for a show. That's it. Serge, everybody's learning from you. You're going to be teaching broadcasting schools or you absolutely should. Anyway, I love that he called out Garrett Cole. I've said it many times, but he is the most fun guy to root against that I can remember in baseball. I love hating Garrett Cole. <laughs> it is so fun watching Garrett Cole pout. It's so fun watching Garrett Cole melt down. It's so fun making fun of him for sucking or not being the same guy since the spider attack. It's amazing Alec Manoa doing this to him on a public platform. This is the kind of stuff that I miss so much. Uh, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say miss, but I want so badly in modern sports is, hey, take a shot at somebody within reason. Don't be afraid. And Manoa is just not afraid of the smoke. He does not care. And I know that, again, Garrett Cole is a bit of a soft target where not even Yankees fans are going to defend him, right? There's probably a few. There's definitely a few. Yeah, sure, but whatever. He goes, I don't care. I just said what I said. That's how I feel. Yeah. And then Alec Manoa is going to go out there, back it up, and pitch well. Mm -hmm. It's great. Josh Donaldson had a little bit of that before he became a Yankee making fun of Garrett Cole and talking trash to Garrett Cole about the sticky stuff. He seems to be one of those guys where you can just say whatever you want about him. So it is an exception to the rule of don't publicly trash other guys in pro sports that aren't, you know, boxing and the NMMA. I almost said the MMA instead of the UFC. The MMA. The MMA. The yeah. only MMA. That's like what my mom would say. Yeah, did you watch the MMA? I would be like, I did. <laughs> I was watching mom. Uh, anyway, I love it. I love when it's kind of just a little bit of serious, but tongue-in-cheek, friendly fire, a little bit of truth, a little bit of exaggeration. It's great. 
I love when guys open up and they're honest, and I love seeing Garrett Cole get dragged. This is a perfect clip for me. It's one of my. Do, do you guys think right now there is a an athlete in Toronto that has a higher approval rating from fans universally than Alec Manoa? Like, do you think he's the most popular guy in Toronto sports right now for for people that know him? Right. Because I, I think that there are athletes that are far more famous still than Manoa, right? People, More people know who Matthews is. Mm-hmm. I would say that even more people in the country, I don't know, actually, that's kind of interesting. Do more people know Alec Manoa or do more people know Siakam and Fred Van Vliet? Yeah, I was about to, I was about to bring up Siakam Scotty Barnes, I don't think is as famous. If you're talking about like approval rating, though. Yeah, approval rating. Who has the highest approval rating of any Toronto athlete? I think it's Manoa. It could be Manoa for sure. Who's even in the conversation? Like, he's not polarizing in any way. There's no Blue Jays fan that doesn't like him. I'm sure, actually, there are a couple of people who think that he does too much on the mound when he's barking at the other team's dugout, but they would never say it to his face. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the guy? (laughs) Yeah. Bavo, who has higher approval rating than Manoa? Nobody, right? He's number one in the city right now. If you did approval polls, he's number one. What about, I mean... Honestly, other than Austin Matthews? No, who? Matthews, no chance. Matthews' approval rating right now is down. He has no goals five on five. You got one last night. People go, finally, ugh. Like, yeah. no, Matthews' approval rating is down. You can't count any Leafs. They're all down. I, I would, like, the, the Leaf with the highest approval rating isn't even one of those top guys. They're the most famous. They're still the most popular. Like, they have the most fans. Mm-hmm. But if you do approval rating, there are still people who are hating on the Leafs and preying on their downfall in this city who are people who own tons and tons of Leafs merchandise, okay? So I don't think you can count them. If I was going to say the Leaf with the highest approval rating right now, TJ Brody. Yeah, I think TJ Brody has the Leafs' highest approval rating. That's my guess. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I I truly believe that. I believe that in my heart of hearts, deep down in my soul. Because remember, approval rating is you go to every single fan and you ask them what they think of this player in the Mm -hmm. entire city. How, How many people would say a bad word about TJ Brody, right? No one's really saying that. People are going, he's good. He's good. He's good. It's not amazing, though, like Manoa, where people would go, oh, it's glowing. He goes mm-hmm. over the 100%. Manoa is the number one in the city for approval rating. Who else? Who else is even Did in the think, Do you think like, Vladdy's close? No, I don't think so. I think that Vladdy is, again, mo- more like loved in the city. Mm-hmm. But Manoa has the highest approval rating. Oh, yeah. And Manoa... Like, well, I, there was some criticism in the playoffs after he said, like, tires are pressure something you put in tires. And then people he, were like, he got yeah. cocky and then he yeah. kind of got lit up. So I, that may have taken it a little bit of a fair hit, point. But I would. It's a good one, Jobo. That's a good one. That's a good point. Um, I still think he's the highest. He, Scotty he Barnes would be, be extremely highest. high, super popular, super loved. Mm-hmm. But he just hit a bit of a slump, just had a bad game against Atlanta, you know, was hurt during some of the playoffs last year. So we didn't get a full look at him. I would say he's very high, though. Even higher, definitely higher than Siakam when it comes to approval rating. Fred would be very high on this list for me. Van Vliet is loved by the city, cherished by the city, approved by the city. That said, last year, again, struggled in the postseason. And so I think this also has to do with being around for a long enough time. Manoa's just had no blips, no struggles. He's just been awesome. He showed up. Outside of the playoffs. Yeah, but he's been, he showed up. He's been awesome. Mm -hmm. He's dominated. He was top three for Cy Young this year, and he's got a big personality. He wears the six on his jersey. Like, again, I just, I don't see the knock outside of that minor thing and the odd person that says he's too cocky. I can see the pitfalls for everybody else. Anyway, I think Manoa's got the highest approval rating. I think Scotty's on pace 
to have the highest approval rating within the next little bit. But I, I think, think Scotty's the are, most likable. Yeah, universally I, I liked athlete. I know people are there's some people who are mad right now, all confused by the semantics here. They're like, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> <That's so exaggerated. laughs> what are you talking about? This is one of those things that makes some people irrationally mad. But yeah, I think Scotty is the most liked athlete. Yeah, in the city. I, I think some people are just expecting him to take like that next big jump because he was the rookie yeah. of the year, and he's just and until he does it that, takes it's not, yeah, it, it takes some time. It takes some time. And also, Scotty's so likable that yeah. he makes me like ads that he's in like yeah. i laugh at his ad right now everybody knows the one that i'm talking about no, ah! so no free ads joe my bad yeah grow up my bad. all right learn the company that's yeah all I'm gonna say. only the company all right that's all we talked didn't about you on. say the bull way last week you no. mentioned it and you just did it again wow twice in a row this I, kid doesn't even learn you so, kidding me yeah like Someone's... what are we doing here <laughs> anyways what's next joe uh well i wanted to ask you the were, were you a big Pokemon collector as a kid? No, I was, Pokemon was my brother's age. More was your brother's age? Yeah. Because uh, the uh, former Raiders linebacker, Blake Martinez, sold in 1998 yeah. Pokemon Is this a real Illustrator story? card. It, I saw it reported by several news I don't sites. think he actually retired because no, of this card, though. I, this I agree is, with that, that. that. That part of the story is clearly BS. No, th that's just a coincidental timing. Like, yeah, it just no. happened what, after. Buff, you know? I think... I think it just helped. I think he's like, oh, I got, uh, <laughs> I got seven hundred. It? it was sixty-eight thousand dollars, right? No, it was, it was like six hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, six hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars for Pokemon at, at the yeah. Golden Auctions on October 29th. Dude, you got to be insane to do that. Didn't the, the one, the older Paul Logan, he got, he got frauded on Pokemon cards. Yeah. He lost like two million bucks trying to buy fakies, right, on eBay? Yeah, and then didn't he put it online for everybody to see? He's like, oh, yeah, I just lost all this money. Uh, yeah. He also wore one around his neck at a, uh, during one of his fight. Well, not during his fight, but like yeah. before the fight, and it was like a $1.5 million card or something like that. Okay, that's ridiculous. I, okay, I have a kind of a funny Pokemon story, though. It's like, so my younger brother collected the cards. Mm -hmm. um, he was big, and like, again, this was his... He's, five years younger than I am. So Pokemon hit them like big time, you mm -hmm. know, it was right in the pocket for them. So, uh, when our, like when our dad passed away, we're going through his house and we're, you know, it's, it's really not fun because you've got to go through everything and then decide, you know, what are you keeping? What's garbage? What's this? What's not? And my dad, like he kept a lot of things. He was just a sentimental dude who, didn't throw out a ton of stuff that at some point meant something to you as a kid. Mm -hmm. And those Pokemon cards, at some point, sometime, my brother was like a little, what are they called? Pokemaniacs? Pokemaniacs? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of whatever the name is for fans of Pokemon. Pokey fans? No, that's not. I have no idea. Joe, which one? You're going to try to come over the top of Pokemaniacs with Pokey fans? I was, I just pulled something off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, I know. It's bad. Keep I, was, I was not a Pokemon <laughs> yes, guy. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, I think too young for you. Although Pokemon Go was right nah, Pokemon Go was when I was in high school. Yeah, that that's was, what I mean. That was, that was really hot in the streets. I even gave Pokemon Go a shot. I was walking around. I was mm -hmm. taking a look. I was like, whoa, this is the future. And then I thought, how many people are getting hit by cars playing this game? <laughs> like, I remember like, uh, seeing people like run around and oh, see them on oh, their phones. Buddy, and they just be uh, like. I live in High Park. Like I yeah. Basically, the park became just people wandering Pokemon around <laughs> playing Pokemon Go. Anyway, um, we find these Pokemon cards in the house. And... We open them up and they're all there and they're all in pristine condition. And I go, you know, what do you think that these are worth? Like, right? I'm like, do you want these at first? And my brother, like, hey, take these trashy cards. You, like, what are we gonna do? Trashy throw, cards. Throw these out. We start. I go, what do you think these are worth? We start googling them. And yeah, this is before Logan Paul. This is before learning about Blake Martinez. And some of the numbers that are popping up mm -hmm. for some of these cards we have are insane. And all of a sudden, my brother and I turned on each other, like. 
Like that's how families fall apart is over big money. <laughs> you know, like this is this is how families split up is over big because he goes, These are mine. And I went, They're the families. You know, we like split the beef and they're meat. going into the family trust. Like this is now become like we gotta bring in some auctioneer. We gotta what was the auction? Gold auction. The golden auctions. Golden auction. Like we thought that they were getting involved. And then turns out that there's different editions of cards and mm. all of ours were like the worthless kind. <laughs> the and worst I'm pretty edition. sure now they're in a dump somewhere. And no one kept them, but for a brief moment in time, I genuinely thought I was about to be rich or lose my brother over Pokemon cards. Yeah. So I, I had the hockey cards as well. So the same thing happened to my buddy. He just started dating his girlfriend at the time, and he was going over for a family dinner, and her little cousin was there who likes Pokemon or collects the cards, and he thought the same thing. He's like, oh, I have all these cards from like 20 years ago that are just sitting in my basement. I don't do anything with them, and then long story short gives it to the kid no he's overjoyed and they find out that this one single card was worth like three thousand dollars oh my so they did find one of the valuable ones did find one of the valuable ones and to the parents break that little kid's no (laughs) (laughs) that's horrible the way snapped his arm and gave it back (laughs) the the way the way the story was told to me was that (laughs) the kid was overjoyed and to the parents credit they were like do you want the card back and so the kid knew right away that it was an expensive card. I don't think he knew how expensive it was, just that it was like a rare. Like I think he was looking at like it's a rare <laughs> That's Pokemon actually card. So much funnier that he had no idea, gave it to him, and the kid immediately was like, Ooh, "Yes, this is this something. card is worth something." Wow! Why didn't he have him take a look and go, "Hey, appraise uh, these cards." I don't know. That's, I don't know. I think that, he he the parents were like, "Do you how want old the is card? your buddy though?" He's my age, so, yeah, yeah like, our age, so. Yeah, so, uh, that's what I'm saying. We're out of the pocket of thinking Pokemon cards are worth money yeah. until someone tells us in the news that they are. Because yeah. you could have told, I would go, who the hell? And I'm so stupid because I would think, like, oh, my God, you have a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card? That's worth a lot of money. And then have no concept of how a Pokemon card could be worth a lot of money when mm-hmm. I'm guessing that is way more rare and uh, yeah, that there's a wider, younger audience for something like that. I don't understand anybody who spends big money on cards. I'll be honest. Like, I think it's one of the dumbest things you can do. Uh, and I used to collect cards. I have tons of, I have a basement full of <laughs> basketball and hockey cards that mm-hmm. I still can't get let go because of the potential of my riches someday. <laughs> I'm still hoping, I'm still banking on this one day showing up and going, yeah, I have a bunch of uh, jubs in the basement full of uh, these cards. And yeah, someone going, oh my God, it's a fortune. Retire, <laughs> retire early. Yeah, you're the new Blake Martinez, JD. But either, I think that's what the only reason people keep their cards. It's not sentimental. No one's looking through them. You're not going to give them to your kids. No, it's money these days. Yeah, you think they're worth something, and you're afraid because you were raised. Most kids were raised with the idea of if you collected cards, anyways. Kids who collected cards, it was these could be worth something someday, mm-hmm. and there's a dumb part of our brain that will never let that go. And for some of us, it's a smart part of our brain, okay? Like the guy who had $3,000 Pokemon card. That guy was a genius, except for he almost gave it away for free to a little kid who some nine-year-old went, this is worth money, you idiot. <laughs> Three grand. Well, now everybody, like, they see stuff like the Blake yeah. Martinez thing happen. They're like, oh, this card's going to be half a million, and it's like 20 bucks. Yo, I want to know people's stories, by the way, on this. So shoot me a DM or a tweet at JD Bunkus. Uh, I want to know card stories. If you got a good card story, I want it. Because, yeah, I want to know if you got rich. I want to know if you thought you were rich. If you got good card stories, let me know. 
Uh, anyways, what's next? We got time for one more. Did you see that USA Wales game yesterday? Yeah, I was choked was because I had a brutal. three leg parlay that was smashed by USA, and USA looked awesome in the beginning. Yo, I'm gonna ask this to Sid later, but I'll ask it to you, Jobo. You're mm. our resident soccer guy. Uh, does Wales just suck, or did the USA look so good that I should be a little bit more? You should be choked. No, I mean, yeah, I know I'm choked about the no, loss. No, okay, okay. Twisting. How about you wait till the end of the my question? Bad, my bad. Continue. Continue. All right. <laughs> continue. My bad. <laughs> God, I'm too giddy. Yeah, ruining my day, Joe. Uh, does that make you feel a little bit better about Canada? Like we, those guys never beat us. Yes, it does. Yes, uh, the USA. Correct. The USA is a, a much better team good, than Joe. Wales. Yeah, they played hard. They were they were great for the first like 50, 60 minutes, and then Greg Berhalter, the USA manager, just kind of sat back and chose to just defend. And Wales took advantage of the USA's complacency and forced a penalty with the really dumb challenge at the end. And oh, is that going to be a penalty on Denmark and Tunisia? Could yeah, be a dramatic so ending. I was just going to say that I also have a bet on this game. I need Denmark to win. Which is behind us right now. Yeah. Is that I, a handball on Tunisia? I hope I, as someone, as Here's the call, observer, JD. I would say, yes, it definitely is. See, that was what he called that, right? No, okay. We can't do this. Yes, yes, yes. Rules masters behind the goal. Careful with the play-by-play, they say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no. I don't think anybody was getting much from that. <laughs> it was yeah, like, no I pen- bet on no something, penalty, by the way, and it was but... silence at us looking at a screen. <laughs> it was horrible, horrible, horrible podcast and radio. Anyway, uh, yeah, I saw the game. It stunk um, that I lost, but it was great that the USA looked good. It was a pretty good game, actually. Like, it was entertaining. Yeah, it was, was okay. Good it was the first game. You know what's funny is I'm kind of – I have a confession – I'm kind of used to rooting for the USA at World Cups because they're the North American team. And mm-hmm. I go, I root for them in Mexico. And I, I really do. And I go, yo, these are our teams. Yeah. We stand together as a continent. Mm-hmm. Screw everybody Can't else. do that anymore. Europe, down. Can't do that now anymore. Now I hate it. Like, but there was this moment where, well, I bet on them. So I was kind of rooting for them. Yeah. But I bet on them out of habit where I didn't bet the draw. I didn't bet the under. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I usually bet on the United States to do a little bit of heart betting. And this time around when I bet on them, I went, no, sucks. Yeah. I hope they lose. Yeah. I was torn. It was just all kinds of different things. I wanted them to look good because I want Canada to be good. I wanted them to win because of my bet, but I also wanted the when, you know, Garrett Bale tied it up. Yep. I went, hell yeah. If there's a guy you want at the penalty spot, it's Gareth Bale. Yeah, but I just, I was kind of like, eh, nice to, you got a little disappointed. Now they're only plus 100 to get out of their group yeah. I saw today. Well, so. the States choked it away. It was a really dumb challenge. Know, maybe they choke it out of, they don't get out of the group. That'd be fun. I would like that. I would like that very much. If Canada, imagine Canada goes farther than the States now. We beat them and then we go farther. Farther than Mexico too? God, that would be sexy. Anyway, big hour coming up. Jeff Merrick of 32 Thoughts. Speaking of Canada, are we ever going to see them play as a best on best again? Is that ever going to happen? Is, are we just done with that? Or should we hold out any hope? And then Sid Sixero, what are his expectations? For Canada soccer. One more sleep. One more sleep. Let's go. That's next. So, I love international sports. I love international competition. And I especially love international hockey. It's my favorite of the bunch. And I'm going to die without ever seeing it again at any meaningful level. um, For men, anyways. It appears that I just, you know, I'm getting depressing 
answers from guys like Sidney Crosby about him going out to the wing and trying to play until he's 40. It's just bad. Um, anyway, Jeff Merrick, 32 Thoughts, the Jeff Merrick Show. Um, I, am I going to ever see international hockey? Hey. Why, why does this keep stalling? Yeah. Why does this keep happening? Like, first of all, they took away the Olympics from me. I care about it. And I don't care about world championship, whatever, world cup, however they want to brand it. And yeah, eventually I will. I get it. That's how these things work is time makes you care, blah, blah, blah. Used to be Canada Cup, people care, then it was Olympics, but I'm just Olympic generation. I feel robbed. Uh, I feel cheated, Jeff. And now with these <laughs> updates, it's like, where, where is the optimism for people who care about international events? Because watching the soccer and getting ready for Canada to play in a soccer match, tomorrow it's like the idea that I'm going to see them play in two World Cups before I see the men play at the Olympics again. It's like it sticks in my craw. Hmm. Uh, that is shared by all the players. All the players want this. The, um, you know, the minute they scrubbed the NHLers going to the Olympics last season, there were a number of very high profile players. Um, I, I think maybe Sidney Crosby might have, may have led this charge as well. Um, pushing the idea of this best on best and getting the world cup going. And let's just be upfront about all of this. Like we would have seen further plans for a world cup, um, if it weren't for the Russia situation. Like, that is a complete non-starter for Europeans, and I don't think that, you know, I, I think that a lot of that sentiment, even though the players want the Russians competing because they want to do best on best, I don't really think that there's much of an appetite at all um, for allowing them in. And so, you know, plans have been scrubbed, and now it's been pushed to 2025. But as I was told a couple of weeks ago um, from someone in a position to know, mm -hmm. you know, at a certain point here, you know, even though all the players want, you know, Ovechkin and all the great Russian goaltenders, good luck picking your starter yeah. uh, to compete in a best on best tournament. At a certain point, international hockey uh, amongst the NHLers will have to go on without the Russians if this situation between that country and Ukraine continues. So uh, I, I think we will see it eventually. My, my only question to all of it is, you know, you want to see Sidney Crosby playing with Connor McDavid. You want to see Patrick Kane playing with Austin Matthews. You're not going you know, to. Sydney's going to be Sydney's going to be 37 years old. Patrick yeah. Kane's going to be 36 years old. Like we're not getting, you know, 28 year old Sidney Crosby and 26 year old Patrick Kane. They're still good. Um, but this is like this is something that right now has been is being completely driven by players. But he, here's the thing. Let me let me throw another thing on the table here. Mm -hmm. So and I'm going to sound like Grandpa Simpson. I know that's fine, and, which was the, which was the style of the time, the potato belt. Um, <laughs> when I when I grew up, uh, my I, I was too young for 1972. My first big tournament that I remember watching was Canada Cup 76. And I can remember my dad telling me about, you know, whether it was, you know, Soviet players, but specifically telling me about Team Czechoslovakia. And, you know, we talked about Vladimir Zarilla, and he told me a lot about this guy that you're going to love by the name of Peter Stasny, who's this incredible young, you know, stud for, for Czechoslovakia. And don't be surprised if, you know, they end up facing off against Canada in the final, and they did. And we saw, you know, uh, Swedish hockey players, and I remember the ovation of Maple Leaf Gardens for Borea Salmi. There was still a mystique because you didn't see the Swedish players, the Finns, the Soviets, the Czechs. You didn't see these players at all. Now, really, what you're getting is... I just, this is going to sound really cynical, J.D. Dude, you're, you're you're, I already don't one. like where you're going with this. Like, where, you, <laughs> what you seeing, took a turn. We were driving down the road, what, and I was listening on. to that nice. And what? then you took a turn. I'm like, where are we going? Because this you, looks bad. What, what, I, listen, yeah, okay. what, we see in international, what we see in international hockey now 
is a bunch of NHLers just mixed up with different jerseys on. We already see this. Dude, I, the mystique, the mystique, you still get it. I'll kill points, you for right? this. At the like, World I, Juniors, Dom's. You know it's true. That's why you want to kill me because there's no, a party. You don't know me. No, what? it's not because Merrick's I cannot sense. believe. No, it's Merrick's not. right. You are protecting the shield right now. You're like, I'm. Uh, don't no, worry, I'm not. I'll protect Trust me, you. I, I'll protect I, you. Oh, it's just a set. It's just okay. Yeah, no, Golden Gold definitely just felt like NHLers. Right? Oh, that was just a it was Penguin Stanley Cup, Golden Gold. What's the difference? Who even knows? It was pretty much the same. That's cheering for your country, though. I'm talking about like finding out like the the idea. Like once upon a time, like you only saw these players at international tournaments. Like I had no idea who Peter Stastny was in yeah. 1976 or who Yuri Holacek was. You still see that at the juniors. Like that's what makes that tournament exciting because you hear about you know Matvey Michkov, for example, and oh, what's this guy all about? We've never seen sure. him before. But everybody else needs international tournaments at the at, at the men's level. We've seen them all play before. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not good because the hockey is outstanding. I'm just saying that part of what made international hockey interesting is now gone forever because, yeah. and it's a good thing. Like all these guys play in the NHL. We know all of. There are no secrets. Like wow, I didn't know this guy was that good, or wow, I've only heard about this guy or seen clips of him on YouTube. I, I want to watch a game. Like that's gone. That that part of mystique of international hockey is is now gone, and that that's the one thing that you know. I, I know you're you're upset not being able to watch international. That's the one thing that I would be upset about more so than anything else in international hockey. Outside of the, again, outside of the U twenty, yeah. Um, you, there's there's not that mystique about players anymore. Yeah. Um, I've never thought of that because I've never lived in an era. You've never lived it. Yeah, I never. That's why I told you I'm going to sound like Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, you here. did. You literally sat me around the lemon tree, and I was like, "All right, Jeff, wrap it up." <laughs> you know, like, wrap. Okay, All old right. man's repeating yeah, himself. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff like, didn't uh, take his medication. Yeah, this we get morning. it. We we can't see the old guys that we didn't know about because they're in the NHL. Cool. No, I want it. Okay, I want it bad. And the fact that we're not getting it now until at the yeah. what minimum of 2025, like. That's that, what we're looking at, yeah. Dude, that hurt my feelings. I'm te- like, I know that this is kind of random. People are wondering, JD, where the hell is this coming from? I thought you were gonna just talk about the Leafs with Merrick. I'm like, no, no, no. This has been bothering me. No, I feel me. you. I tried to bring I, you on I, last week to do this. You were busy, and it's just because it got announced. I think last Friday, and mm. it has just been it's, it's bubbling under the surface. Man, 2025. Like, and I saw them ask, uh, who was it that they asked? Him? Oh, it was McKinnon who said, what do you want me to do? Like, what you want me to organize it? I think it was his line, which is great. I think that's almost the most personality that he's shown outside of saying that he drinks with Sidney Crosby sometimes. But, I just, I'm tired but, of this. But, Figure it out. Figure out how to get the, the way thing. that brings the most people under the tent. But here's the thing about what Nathan McKinnon said. Like, the players are organizing this one. The players are, are driving the bus on this one. The players right after the Olympics were scrubbed have been the ones pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for all of this. Like, they were the ones that wanted to go last year. Like, they're the ones that are continuing to push because these guys all crave best on best. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like you. You want to see it? They want to do it. Trust me. They want to do it. They want international hockey. This isn't like, oh, it's an inconvenience. Like, oh, drag us to another tournament. Can I just please enjoy some time off? No, these guys want it. Like, put it to, to, the, to the point where, like, we saw all these guys practicing a couple of summers ago together. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, yeah, two summers ago in anticipation of the Olympics. 
just like, okay, what's the feel going to be like? What's the vibe going to be like? How are we going to work? Like, who doesn't want to watch Connor McDavid and, and Sidney Crosby play together? You know, who doesn't want to see Austin Matthews and, and Patrick Kane or Jack Eichel and Patrick Kane? Like, who doesn't want that? Like, if you're a hockey fan, man, that's catnip. Of course yep. you want that. Everybody, everybody wants that. I think everybody, you know, uh, you know, saw that announcement and said, ugh, we understand because of the Russia thing, but man, really, can mm-hmm. we just get some some great international hockey going? It's sitting there. See, it's 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 almost as if when it finally does happen, there's going to be this like, you know, release of tension. The like because it's been you know people have craved it for so long. The likes of which we haven't seen in a long time. And this is one of the things too. And I get it. Like, listen, the NHL is busy. Bill Daly is busy. Um, but this was, you know, uh, coming out of how many, you know, different lockouts have we always heard? We need to put together an international calendar. Yeah, like no. this is really important for the NHL for the from the from the point of view about marketing their marketing their game internationally and really truly making it a global game. Having their athletes compete best on best country versus country is enormous for the NHL. And you know this, you know the the plans for like they went down the road on this. Right, like they had plans, you know, right, the 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 prelims are going to be both in North America and also in Europe, um, the semis, and then the final were going to be in North America. It was going to be on the Eastern Seaboard. They felt that you know asking Europeans to travel west was too much um, of a burden, so it was all going to be on the East as well. Like like they were like really down the road on planning this thing before it got scrubbed last week. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... I don't think that this is even a hot take. I genuinely believe this. Everyone has always talked about, oh, Gary Bettman grew the game and he put the game in all these markets and that's why we have the Austin Matthewses and the Tage Thompsons, right? And maybe the Matthew uh-huh. Nyes, guys from in the NHL right now who are born in Arizona. Good old Gary. You know, one thing that's bulletproof with old Gary is that he grew the game and he put it in these markets and he stuck by him and... And that made the NHL a different kind of league. Well, you know what? If I'm an American fan, I'm thinking, how much more would the game have grown if kids actually got to see their golden generation of players, their golden generation teams, play in international events? Um, I think it's probably more than having the Arizona Coyotes in Glendale. Um, They blew it. They have completely screwed hockey fans. They have completely screwed over hockey players. And for what? Like, what, what, is, what has been the payoff here? They didn't have to interrupt the schedule once? Like, for an Olympics? O- okay. Um, they stood on their, what, some principle that they've been arguing for a really long time? It just, it's asinine. And it's so unbelievable that a sport that translates, in my opinion, as well as any, to international competition has been, like, we haven't seen it since 2016, and that was a fake tournament. Like, it's been really mm-hmm. since 2014. We're approaching, we're going to go over a decade before a really meaningful tournament because with all due respect to the tournament that they threw on here where Canada beat Team Europe, that was, yeah, that was an exhibition tournament. No one really cared. We're used to Olympic hockey, high-stake hockey. It's just bad, man. And I wanted to pitch this take by you. Do you, okay. what do you think Sid's, because Sid is the guy that actually, I think, suffers the most. We're talking about him potentially never playing for Team Canada again. Or if he's there, it's in kind of like a ceremonial down the lineup role. He's there as more of a leader, kind of fourth line minutes type of player. Is that what I'm guessing? If he ends up getting there at age 37 and that happens again, optimistically, he's got the golds, obviously that we've seen with him and he's got the golden goal. And if things don't get screwed over by the NHL, maybe he has two more Olympic golds. Would he have been the greatest international player ever? 
Whoo. Um, You're my hockey wow, historian. Uh, I know. I should have no, probably. Hang on, no, hang on. Because there's no, because there's, there's international world champion. There's uh, world juniors as well, where he was part of, you know, probably the greatest yep. junior team ever assembled. And that was, and that was Grand Forks. Um, he's always answered the call. I, I think you can make a strong, not, not, you know, I, I don't want to give you a flippant answer and just say, like, yeah, hundred percent JD. Cause I want to give it more thought, you but can. off the top of my, off, off the top of my head, um, he would have to be considered certainly one of them. And if there's more golds, then certainly I want, I want to, want, let me, let me pick, pick up on that for one second. I want to circle back to something you said earlier, cause I thought it was really interesting. I think it's a really good point and I don't think you're giving it enough concert. Mm. So you talked about um, American kids watching their heroes compete best on best in international hockey and growing the game that way. Yeah, all due respect, I don't think they're watching the junior tournament. Hang on, I understand that. Although NHL Network stateside and has done a really good job, you know, helping to promote that to at least at, at least introduce American hockey fans to these athletes, so they don't think that they come from some factory in either you know Trois Rivières or Helsinki um, or somewhere in um, uh, or somewhere in Michigan, maybe Ann Arbor or something. Um, the one thing that really we saw a real spike in interest. And it helped produce the Medanos and the Kevin Stevens and the Chris Chelios was 1980. It was a miracle on ice. Like all of a sudden, attention on hockey. And that made, like you you ask any American kid who watched that who ended up playing in the NHL, and that was the thing that got them to pick up sticks. You know, all of a sudden that was super hot again, and we got a huge generation. And you can make the argument that as much as we talk about 87, 96 was an incredible uh, an incredible tournament. And as much as we talk about how the hockey in 87 was great, I'll put 96 right up against it too. Now, Canada didn't win, so we don't talk about it as much. Uh-huh. But just as just as play, like that was an incredibly high-skilled tournament. Now, here's, here's going to be the tough one. For growing the game of hockey, okay, and you talked about Sidney Crosby and the golden goal. You can make the argument that that, from, again, from your perspective of growing the game, the Golden Goal didn't make one new hockey fan. But if the USA would have won that game, how many new hockey fans would it have made? I would argue thousands mm. and future players in the NHL. Here's my question to you. For the quote-unquote good of the game, because we talk so much about the good of the game, mm-hmm. did the wrong team win? No. The right team won. Why? You never, no, hang on. No, no, get, 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 take your maple leaf off. No. Did, did the wrong team win? No. I, I, for, I, I don't agree that it didn't create any new hockey fans. I, I think that the right team won because that is a true identity moment for this country. And I can't take the maple leaf off. Like, I, I'm trying to look at it. Hang on. That was Salt Lake. That was Salt Lake. That no, was Salt, Salt Lake, Lake was. Talking about Vancouver. No, Salt the Lake. The golden goal. Salt Lake, I think. Joe, Joe Pavelski not hitting the crossbar. Yeah. No. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank God. Thank God that happened. I can't, I can't remove myself from being Canadian. I can't remove myself from what that meant to me. And I can't remove myself okay. from watching well, the celebrations the that thing. poured out into the streets here, and the amount of here. people like, Jeff, I'm a big time, uh, in especially right now, right, where we're getting, and I'm not trying to be preachy here with this, but that to me is why I care about sports is the way that it connects people. And uh, mm-hmm. a great, America, maybe there would be more fans, but I can't remove the Maple Leaf knowing that I can relate to any person in this country, essentially, by asking them where they were for the Golden Goal. 
and mm-hmm. how it made them feel yeah. and how proud mm-hmm. they were that day and what they did afterwards and what they did and, you know, what it meant for some of their family members. Like, it just... That to me is again so special. We this is the get where I'm getting a little yeah. soapboxy and a little preachy, but yeah, we're we're getting a little <laughs> bit more isolated, right? It's clearly it's happening like year over year, and pandemic yeah. exasperated this to an incredible degree. And why sports mm-hmm. are so awesome and international sports are so awesome is everybody kind of gets to get in under one thing, and us missing that in this country with hockey is damaging mm-hmm. and it's damaging year over year over year. And so I'll never say America winning is more important. Because, yeah, I think that for this country, it's like one of our last moments of everybody kind of being on the same page and being together and ride or die. And it wasn't the same in Sochi. In fact, we got so spoiled that some people in Sochi had the take of, oh, that was boring because we were too good. I went, uh, what? No, that was not the take. Anyway, no, golden goal, the right team won because it meant the most to Canada and it's going to have the longest lasting effect. Even if there would be more hockey fans for a couple of generations in the States, like the golden goal in Canada is going to be eternal. It is always going to be uh, something that we point to in this country as a, a measure of pride. And it's why, again, the NHL, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. They don't care about Canada. They don't. They view it as, oh, they're, you're our safety option. You're our safety school. You're our safety net. You're the girl that we can mistreat. But, you know, you'll always come crawling back because you can't do any better. And they always look at everybody else as, okay, whatever. And this having no international play just like having some of the markets that they've kept teams in for so long, um, just like the salary cap, whatever, go on down the line is just another kick into the stomach of Canada that this league has done over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, they need to grow the game. They they need to do it. They need to make sure that international hockey returns. I I love these questions because one of the things that I think that I've learned about um, Canada and Canadians as it relates to hockey and our love of it and how protective we are about it is we've spent a lot of time as Canadian hockey fans wondering and complaining that other countries don't quote unquote love the game the way that we do and don't want to nurture the game that we do and don't have a passion for the game like we do. So now the rest of the world has, and this includes the United States, woken up to that. So we've gotten what we've wanted. Other countries are at the same level as us now. But now we're getting really offended and way too protective about it when it means if other countries are going to pay attention to hockey, share the same passion that we have about hockey, as Canadians, do we, should we not have to assume then that eventually they're going to be better than us at tournaments, sure. and that's fine. That's if fine. We're going to grow. Going to grow the game, and it's got to be at these big moments, yep. like a Canada, a Canada U.S. final at the Olympics to grow the game. Again, we keep coming back to that thing because we're talking. You preface this whole thing with Gary Batman and growing the game. USA has to win these things. Sure. You and know, they can, it sounds like you're trying to get them to rig it for them almost. You're like, hey. No, <laughs> all, all I'm saying is like, <laughs> yeah. look, like let's, let's not just, you know, uh, ridiculously assume here that we have this, you know, sort of, you know, uh, domain over hockey. We shouldn't. Uh, no, we shouldn't. And that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Like, that's fine. Like, that's completely fine. And then again, if you, if the game is going to grow, specifically in the United States, where there's still the potential for a massive growth. Mm-hmm. When USA beats Canada, part of us has to look at that and say, well, yeah, you know what? It's things, but this is good for hockey. Yeah, I part think of that's the consolation thing is letting prize. this thing go. Let me, let me ask you this one then. Do yeah. you think that the Miracle on Ice 
was a great moment for hockey. Yeah, of course. How could it not be? I don't okay. even understand. What if it was you? What if it was USA beating Canada and not the Soviets? Well, I I wasn't alive, so they can have it. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you can have that one. Anyway, like I said, it's, this isn't a matter of I'm not okay with another country winning. Like, of course, I'm, you asked me you if it was bigger the for going the game. No, no, no. I'm fine. Man, here's the thing. You got to play to win. <laughs> like, you got to play to win. And right now the USA can't even play. And they've got this yeah, awesome team and they should be pissed. And Canada can be pissed, and I am pissed for different reasons. But for them, again, if they're going to be talking about growth of the game, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about the NHL talking about growth of the game or inclusion or any of these other things or trying to make sure that they reach a wider audience as they sit here and punt international hockey until 2025. Everything else feels hollow to me. I don't care. I don't care. I just want them to play these games. And like I said, I do think that... Um, it's more important, you're right, for growing the game in the States to have these tournaments, but I also think that it's more of an insult to Canada and to a couple of the other countries, actually, honestly, like in Europe, I think that, yeah, Finland and Sweden, a couple of these places are like, it's it's even more embarrassing or rude to them that the NHL has held out. Um, last one before you go. I know I've already kept Hang you on, for can so I, long. Can I, can yeah. I, no, can I, keep, can I throw one more thing in here? Yeah. Maybe this is a consolation for you and this gives you the soft landing. Mm-hmm. Does it make it any better knowing that this thing's punted to 2025, but that no. means that Connor Bedard's going to be on the team. No, I, it doesn't. Okay. I, I, if they were like, we're doing this every year, I would go, that's what's better. Let me have it. Okay. Because, again, I'm more sad about the guys who lose time, like Sid, than I am optimistic about Connor Bedard. I'm excited to see him play, but as of right mm-hmm. now, I don't have any real emotional equity with Connor Bedard because I only know him from highlights, essentially. You know, like I'm not watching okay. his games yet. Um, he's, uh, he's, Connor Bedard to me is he's still an idea more than he is a, a person, you know? That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Um, That's fair. I know that uh, I've kept you way too long on a show day, but I need to ask you this. What do you think Nick Robertson's okay. value is right now? Because you and Elliot kicked it around on your show yesterday. Um, I thought the uh, like it was, it was a good conversation that, okay, clearly he needs to play um, if they're going to just yeah. sit him continuously. But now because he hasn't played in so long and the coach is reluctant to do so and has even actually come out with some pretty bold quotes like – it would have to be someone else not doing something for him to play. Uh, you both, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think both use the word weird or strange, that this is a strange situation. To the, me, it feels the, like the, he, the, he's getting shopped. This, the, the straight, uh, I don't know about he's getting shopped, but the, the thing that I wondered about, are they showcasing someone else mm. right now? And that's why that's why Nick Robertson is around. So when they pull the, when they pull the trigger on the deal, he's already there to slide into that spot. Because I'm like you, like the guy doesn't need waivers. Why not send him down? Yeah. Like the only the only thing the only thing that I can think of is somebody else is being showcased right now, and they're looking at they're looking at making a deal. But again, I'm basing that on nothing other than my eyes and my brain. That's no that's no one's told me this. This is the only thing that I can try to cobble together in my head. Otherwise, it's not a waiver issue. Let the kid play. Send him down, unless. You're showcasing someone, and you want to have Robertson available, lickety-split. I just, like, what are you trying to showcase? More Engvall? (laughs) Like, I think the league knows what he is. Teams have talked about him. Yeah. His name's been brought up. Hey, guess what? Bring bring him up more, teams. (laughs) Just bring him up. (laughs) You can get him. He's available if I'm uh, Kyle Dumas. Uh, Jeff, I kept you way too long on a show day. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, pal. No problem, pal. See you, man. Uh, that's Jeff Merrick. Thirty-two thoughts. Jeff Merrick show, hockey historian, and I know that he. He's the. Uh, this is a real sign of respect to Jeff. 
I wouldn't just throw the Sidney Crosby question at anybody else without giving them prep. But Jeff, I know I, I knew it could do it. That's Jeff Merrick's brain. Uh, and with that, it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, must be in Ontario. Uh, please play responsibly. So it's Tuesday. Um, this is where we look for lines that are a little fishy to us. Um, lines that stand out, lines that don't seem like they should be what they are. I, I screwed myself over last week. I, I can't believe I betrayed myself. I said on the Tuesday that the Cowboys line stuck out to me, that Vegas knew something, that the Cowboys were going to win, that they were favored on the road against an 8-1 and Vikings team coming off of a huge win against Buffalo, that there had to be some number Vegas had, that they were hedging. I just got a little thrown off by, one, it's the Cowboys, so they have a little bit of that Leafs element where you go, huh, hey, what's exactly? <laughs> Is this just them trying to make sure that they're on enough side of the line because there's so many people that bet the Cowboys? I thought that the Cowboys would win. I just thought that the Vikings would keep it close and could win. Um, we got to go quick here, fellas, but is there any line that stands out to anybody as ultra fishy? Do you want to put it on the, the fishy radar? I do have one to put on the fishy radar. What do you got, Jobo? I think the Bears and the Jets are going way under 42. They're mm. both, both backup quarterbacks are going to start. It's going to be Joe Flacco and so Trevor we're sure Simeon, that more than likely. it's not Justin yeah. Fields. No. So, so Justin Fields is day to day right now. Uh-huh. Matt, e- Matt Eberflew said that they're going to wait till Wednesday for the injury report, mm-hmm. but then they asked him about if it's season ending and he said, we haven't ruled that out. Mm. in his Monday media availability. So that's pretty worrisome if, if I'm a Bears fan. And Robert Sala won't commit to Zach Wilson in his availability. It could be trending towards a backup game. I'm going under 42. Mm. I think that's way too high. Uh, the fishy line for me is the Bengals being favored on the road at the Titans. Titans keep winning. Mm-hmm. Titans keep getting no respect. And the Bengals maybe lost Joe Mixon this week. Still no Jamar Chase. And... I'm expected to believe that they are favorites on the road against Vrabel and his Titans team. That is fishy to me. I feel like Vegas knows something we don't. This is more than about the public. And so a game that I normally would have just bet the Titans outright, and maybe you still will, but I I would caution doing that. Um, Let's take a break. Uh, That was Time for Action, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19+, plus. must be in Ontario. Up next... What are expectations? Sid Sixero will tell us. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. This is not where I planned on starting with Sid Sixero today, but I just got to tell him because I think he's a man who might have a good answer for this. So, like, I tried to go to the washroom during the break, but they, it was full. I did turn back. I wasn't sure how much time we had. I, I Like, I got a piece so bad. Uh, we got you know, 20 minutes of this together. But here's the thing. I didn't go to the washroom because Don Cherry said once that don't pee if you have to pee because it's good for like your energy on camera and on as a broadcaster. And for whatever reason, that has stuck with me. Um, Sid Sixero, do you have any weird broadcasting tip that you ever got that you have not been able to abandon that is weird and probably not true? Well, first off, uh, where you started with that story is not where I thought you were going to start with that story. No, you're like, oh, he's going to pee. Um, <laughs> but a few things. Soon. No, but yeah. like, it's, it's amazing you bring that up because I've, yeah. I've, I've felt this in every way doing breakfast television. Uh-huh. Is I like, I feel like if you kind of, how do I put this? If you're not regular, my shows are better. Huh. 
That's a good way of putting it. I think honestly, it like, like, I think, like, because the thing is, like, I've, I've actually looked this up. It involves, it involves, I'm not kidding. It involves I your know, heart. I just, I just pictured Seriously. thinking, man, Sid had a really good show today. He didn't poo. <laughs> like, like I'm just like, I'm just telling you, like, like, there's a time for that after. <laughs> yeah. But in the middle of the show, like, for, for someone who gets as amped up as I do, yeah. lowering the blood pressure is not good for numbers. True. So, Don Cherry actually, like, that, well, that's true. Like I, I, I've never, I, it it only hit me later in life, Uh but he's bang on. Now with that said, if you have to pee, I could tap dance for like four minutes live on air. And then when you come back, I'm still talking about how garbage Argentina was. Hey, guess what? If I do that, then I lost this show and it's yours. So no, 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 no. no. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how this is going to work. If anything, it gives you a raise when you come back. People, no, people are going to go, wait, why does this guy have this show when there's better people out there? Like that's what that becomes. (laughs) Probably not how that would go. Hell no. We're definitely not doing that. Especially after the advice. Now I feel like I have to do you and Grapes Proud and just dominate this segment with my full bladder. Like, but if you gotta pee. No. See, I'm torn between two things. The liar liar, obviously, right? Where he says, I need to go, he needs the recess from the judge. And then he says that if holding in your pee can be damaging. And he says, it must be true, right? Because he can't lie. And so is that factual? Did they put that in that movie? Or was it because I don't know, but I would assume because it's liar liar, it had to be true. And then this is good for broadcasting, holding in the pee. It's a very, it's a, I'm torn. I'm torn between two worlds, but don't worry. I'm going to be fine. I'll, uh, but the I'll thing make... is, the thing is, liar, liar, the, the moral of that movie was to not lie. So yeah. that, it's, a, it's a good movie that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah it, was, it was solid. But yeah, I did have, of. we were in, we were in Niagara Falls. Yeah, it wasn't that good. He's like, we also breaks Falls. into, uh, you know, an airport and like steals something. He's like on the tarmac as a, a plane. Movie. Yeah, it's a strange movie. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like, I don't know how many lessons I'm supposed to take from that one. They're like, yeah, do a terrorist act to make sure that your son gets your attention. I was, uh, yeah. I, I, I'll say this though. I did break the peeing rule in Niagara Falls. We were live earlier this year. Hell yeah. I needed a urinal at some point. Yeah. I had to go. But, um, but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to start off this conversation yeah, between you and I. I and no, I think for young broadcasters out there, I yeah. think we've given them a great tip. Yeah, exactly. Tip. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. So you know what? If we could have the one lasting impact to a young broadcaster out there, like Don Cherry had it for me with this tip, then we've done our job. You know, like we've passed it around. This is being this is this a legacy. Is the, yeah, you worked your whole life. Yeah, this, this is the long yes. standing tradition of being an orator and passing along traditions and that this is we've done it you know going back to when you know people could first speak so um here's what we don't have uh we can't really tell stories about can of soccer can't really pass anything down the line it was uh, the last time they were there was before i was born um what are your expectations because this is the thing that i'm having a tough time with i went to all these games i went to all three here in ontario and they were brilliant it was just so fun the game against the states is going to be an all-time sporting moment for me um they were awesome against you know mexico and i watched america play yesterday and they looked awesome against wales for the vast majority of the game and i'm going are we good? Like, are we are we going to show up here and be decent? Now, have you seen the one Belgian? I know I'm kind of I'm asking you two questions here, but have you seen the one Belgian reporter who's on every show going like, "We're terrible. We're going to lose." Like, he's just well, he's 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 right. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. Here we are. He's right. Yeah, they're bad, and we're going to win. Is what you're saying? Like they like they, the FIFA rankings are disgusting. Yeah, they're number two. They're not, to go with what we were talking about earlier, they are not good. They have never been good. They have never been transparent. They never make any sense. 
Because if you watch soccer, you know, how, how does Belgium, having not won anything in our lifetime mm-hmm. at a senior men's level, how are they number one at anything? It's, or how are they number two at anything? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, like, if you, you have to follow soccer. Like, Eden Hazard, if I see another promo with Eden a guy who has played four games in two years, if I see another promo with this guy in it, I'm going to throw up. Romelu Lukaku was not healthy all year for Inter Milan. So he's not going to play. No, he's out. And, like, their backups aren't that strong. Mm. Jonathan David is better than any striker they have. Full stop. The lack of knowledge at times of the sport in this country, as much as we've, we've grown, is disgusting. That team is, is ripe for the pickings. Ripe. I'm talking about Belgium. Ripe. Croatia saw the spine. Like, Modric is in midfield. That's not going to be easy. But Belgium have holes everywhere else. And Canada could win this game tomorrow. Now, I don't expect Davies to be 100%. Based on what I read yesterday, there was um, some sleuth moment with Canadian pressers. I don't know who else was, was watching this from afar, but using a high-focus lens saw him pull up as he tried to go all out. Mm-hmm. That hasn't been widely reported. But regardless, it wasn't that long ago. It was November 5th where he got hurt. Don't tell me the hamstring's 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wasn't born yesterday. So... I'm not fully expecting Davies to be Alfonso Davies. Um, but I'm looking at everywhere around the field. Belgium are, they can be had. Yeah. 100%. Are you telling me if, if Canada bring on Ishmael Kone of, of the Montreal impact, and I know they're not the impact, but in my heart, they will always be the impact. If they bring the kid on in the 60th minute, and have him have a go at some of the central defenders for Belgium. You don't think it's going to cause problems? Like, we have weapons too, man. And I got to hear about Eden. If I hear Eden Hazard, I've played more La Liga games than Eden Hazard the last few years. I love this. I this love is, this it's so a disgrace to bring him up in Hell any yeah. rational discussion about soccer. It's a disgrace. He has not played. He hasn't played. It's like saying Shea Weber is going to make an impact this season. Amazing. I'm serious. Okay. That's, that's like, great. Don't, like, 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 there are some, listen, we've come a long way in this country. That Eden Hazard thing is insulting. Mm. He's nothing. He's a nobody. And Canada can take this team 100%. Now, they got to play the game. they got to be smart. Our central defense isn't great either. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But this is not a walkover. This is not a walkover. And I'm, I'm, I, I really, there's no way Canada's losing the game. I'm 100% confident they're not losing that game tomorrow. Dude. I don't know what the end result will be. They're not losing the game. They have these, like John, from what I'm hearing, John Herdman has these guys ready to run through brick walls. They believe they're going to the quarterfinals. That is, that is what's happening in that camp. And part of me thinks Herdman's messing with everyone with the injuries. I, I'm starting to believe that. Because mm. you stack, you know, I'm hearing he's going to play. It's a Belichick. Dave, he's Belichicking. Dave, He's Belichicking. Why not? Why not? I wouldn't put that put it past Herdman. You got to clear that with the players because then they get texts left and right. People are worried. I understand that, but uh-huh. why not? Roberto Martinez. Roberto Martinez is the manager of Belgium. The guy at his highest level ran Wigan Athletic in England. Do you understand how below average Wigan Athletic are? <laughs> I do now. This is this is not. He didn't run Man City. Yeah. He didn't run Real Madrid. He didn't run Barcelona or Chelsea or Liverpool. 
The guy's an average soccer mind. Herman's gonna Herman could take this guy's lunch money if he wants. Like I'm I'm I, I'm salivating at this tomorrow. The Bel- this Belgium team is the most overrated group I've ever seen in my life, aside from one guy, and that's De Bruyne. Yeah, this is this, one guy. This has been amazing. So, um, you know, you said talk about the players being able to run through a wall. So my uh, my guy Jobo, who sits across from me, is a huge soccer fan. Right? It's his it's his it's his ethos. Yeah. He loves soccer. That whole Typical rant, Jobo. Yeah, Typical that, Jobo. that whole rope, that whole rant that you just delivered. He was nodding and bobbing like. Uh, he was at church, you know, like you were, you were a preacher up there being like, and another thing. And he was just like, yeah, it's Lord. Like he was so into it. He was yeah, like, he's losing his mind. I'm kind of losing my mind, but okay. So I know you said that our knowledge as a country isn't there yet. I, I kind of am a little bit more forgiving because I come more from that camp, you know, international soccer has not been a big thing for me uh, up until this run for Canada where I'm like, okay, now I know the teams. Now I know the players. Now I'm heavily invested, all of this different stuff. But yeah, Belgium went perfect through the qualifiers and they outscored opponents 25 to 6. And Canada, as awesome as the run was, this has sort of been the thing. I looked at the betting lines and they were 8 to 1 to beat Belgium, which I'm absolutely hammering after this. I'm hammer that. I'm sorry. Oh after God. what we saw this morning with Saudi Arabia, hammer it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hammer absolutely it. hammering it. But yeah, it's just like we've been kind of told. A bit of mixed messaging, which is some people go, Canada's pretty dangerous. But then other people go, this is all house money. And that's why I wanted to ask you about expectations because I'm having a tough time with this. I want to see Canada win. And I don't want to be apologetic if uh, I like want them to win these games. And I feel disappointed if they lose, right? I know that uh, we're an, in our infancy here of being an international player at these competitions, clearly. But I don't really love the, hey, this is a prep run for when they have the next World Cup. I prefer it as, hey, if... People like you were telling me that Belgium is vulnerable, then why not? Why not Canada coming out of the group? And so does this become then, based on what you're saying about Belgium, and that people seem to be sleeping a little bit on Morocco, that they're stronger, I guess, than people have kind of projected it when the group was first announced, and that Croatia, as you did, why did you say, they have a spine, that this for Canada to advance is is must-win territory if they're going to advance? I don't, like, I think they can still... Like, I think there's a path with, like, a, a draw tomorrow, win against Morocco, maybe loss against Croatia. Like, it's, it's possible. Okay. There's, there's a path there. Um, a win would be nice. Hell yeah. I don't think, tomorrow, I don't think tomorrow's a must-win, but I think, like, the, the, one, the one thing about Canada that I don't think is being brought up enough is how many guys, like, they're not just playing for Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, you have, a, you have a lot of guys either in MLS or on their last current deals, aside from David and aside from Davies, who are playing for their careers in certain instances. Well, I love that take. Like, like Alistair Johnston mm-hmm. is going to Europe. He yeah. knows he's going to Europe. They just don't know it yet. Europe doesn't know he's coming, but he knows he's coming. Mm-hmm. And he goes on that field tomorrow. He makes a difference. Ishmael Kone of the impact. He knows he's going to Europe. And it nearly happened in the last transfer window. Um, and some teams are going to really regret missing out on him. But he knows he's going to Europe. This is his showcase. Jonathan David is still pissed he's in France. He believes he should have been in the Premier League two windows ago. Yeah, he was lighting it up in France. He's lighting it up. He's better. Jonathan David is the best striker in the group. In our group, this World Cup, he's the best. And he believes he's still under the radar, and he's still pissed about it, and he still believes he should be in Spain or England or Germany. 
So he's got something to prove. Davies is the only, I mean, Davies, on top of it, Davies wants to prove he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He wants to prove he's playing out of position at Bayern Munich, and he's an actual striker, and he can actually win a Ballon d'Or. This isn't just about Canada, which is why they're dangerous. They're dangerous for so many other reasons. They, they, this team's so young, they don't know what they're not supposed to know. Mm-hmm. They don't know they're not supposed to be, they're supposed to be tourists here. They're not aware of that. They're not aware that this is a prep for the next cycle. They're not aware of that. They're super ready to shove it down someone's throat tomorrow. Tomorrow. And I think a lot of people are in for a big surprise here. Yeah. A lot. Belgium can be had. Morocco's a, they're going to uh, beat Morocco. They got some good players, mm-hmm. but they're going to beat Morocco. Croatia still, any team with Modric on I take seriously. I take very seriously. Uh-huh. But um, I'm really excited, man. There's, there's many reasons why Canada's jacked for this game. And I don't think we're talking, we're, we're talking about like a fraction of, dude, this th- is, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys playing for a lot starting tomorrow it's gonna to be amazing that's a great amazing. that's a really great angle though and I'm, I'm glad that you came on today and were able to express this because again i to me a lot of the messaging has been these guys are sort of happy to be here hey that run they had to the world cup that might be the greatest thing that you ever experience in canadian soccer like there's a lot of um hey don't don't get too high on this team don't get your expectations high and that point of those players going, what do you, you think that we care about just that run and that we're cool with making it here? No. And that, yeah. Hey, sports as great as, you know, a team is and as much as they need to be able to play together, especially in a sport like soccer is awesome. Bringing up that individual angle of how much guys have at stake financially, personally, legacy wise is really important because I think it has been lost in the shuffle to a certain degree. Okay. So um, we're kind of running out of time here, but I also want to ask you, what is, do you think that, the, the stuff that the Canada soccer disputes between the players, um, all of the drama that has surrounded this team from essentially qualifying against Jamaica and onward has a cloud over any of this. Is, are they able to kind of check that aside? Is this a story here? What are we supposed to make of that? It's not a story unless they advance, because when you advance, the prize money increases by three. If you get into the knockout round, the money gets even more serious. That's when, and I don't think it's going to affect the tournament, but the animosity you've seen is probably not going to end if there's more money to fight over, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So something, something to watch afterwards. I don't believe, I, I mean, listen, Herdman has these guys in such a mindset. The complete incompetence that they witness day in and day out with Canada soccer has not stopped them from finishing first in CONCACAF. A lesser team would have had their spirits ripped out of their chest and eaten in front of them, the way Canada soccer treats our women's and men's programs. Full stop. Herdman wouldn't allow it. There was the hiccup in Vancouver. It happened. But overall, this is not a new story with this program, and they fight through a lot of garbage. They're not even completely supporting them over there but they're here in spite of it. It's not going to affect their tournament because Canada's soccer are filled with small people who don't matter when that ball gets kicked off tomorrow. It's not about them and the new suits. It's about the game. When the game's over, that's a headline worth watching, but it's not going to mess with their tournament. They got bigger fish to fry. Uh, 
Fontes and those guys up in the press box of Canada soccer are irrelevant. They're irrelevant when, when these games are going. If, the, if they get to the group stage and get more money, watch, watch for it after, but not during, not during. Said this was so fire. Um, we got two minutes. What's, if, if Alfonso Davies is the most important player on this team, who's going to be the second? Um, look, I think I love Canada. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get scored on is the nice way to put it. Uh, our central defense is not the strong point. Mm-hmm. I think Jonathan David has to score like five goals in the group stage. You should see Joe. Like you should see Joe. He has to <laughs> score five goals. Honestly, like Joe, uh, what, what's Joe saying? Joe, Does Joe agree with the take Joe. or not? I fully agree with the take. Jonathan okay. David is, is their guy up front. Okay. Got to put the ball in the but back I, of the net. But I, I I'm, think... tell, I'm telling you though, the secret weapon, this Kone kid yeah. is no joke. He's no joke. If they start subbing him in with 60 minutes gone and he attacks some older defenders after an hour, look out. He has pace. Look out. Pace to, for days, and he's a kid. He doesn't know any better. Got doesn't it. know any better. Love I can't. you guys saying pace. That's hot. This is, mm, like, yeah. like our central defense, not a lot of pace. Got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But they, they got burned in other areas here. And David's a big player. Big player. Yeah. It's, I, I like that answer because I, I think that if you pulled most you just fans, and I, I'll, I'll bring up the fans, I think they would say Borean, right? They would go, they got to get good goaltending, and if they're going to be vulnerable, then, and this guy was such a big story for them during the run that he would be one of the guys. I feel like the hipster take is Estacchio, that everybody would go, yo, Estacchio's red hot right now. He's tearing it up for your boys, Sid. You're, you're probably loving this guy on a whole bunch of different levels. You're going to have to chip in. You're right, though. Yeah. Gonna, like, I don't want to leave. Like, you asked me the most the, the important. Mm-hmm. Stacchio's going to have to keep this form up. He's burning it up. Like, yeah. Champions League, Portugal, he's been crazy. Yeah. Been crazy good. Yeah. And then I think that, yeah, David is the guy that's been weirdly, like, a little overlooked despite everything that he's done for this team in qualifiers, despite who he is at the international level. All of it, it just, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like being overly hyperbolic, but he does feel kind of like the guy that's been a little bit lost in the shuffle in all of the narratives. And everything about, you know, praising Herdman, rightfully so, in the consternation around Davies, rightfully so, um, in the celebration of this team, the drama, all of it, he just seems like the, like, I'm glad you guys brought him up and brought up the pace. The pace. I'm ready. I'm ready for the pace. I'm ready for the goals. Let's do this tomorrow. You going down to Cafe Dip tomorrow? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'll be down there. All right, I'll be down there. there. I'm going to hop on with, uh, with Donovan. I love that. And then I'm going to duck out. Uh, I can't. God love diplomatic. You're not going to watch the game with the people? I can't, I can't do the bar thing. I got to go home. Oh, okay. I got to go home. That's fine. Hey, listen. I got to go home. That's fine. I will be there with the people. Yeah, I will I'll be. see you. Yeah, I will see yeah, you there. You'll see me, and I'll already be getting crushed. I, yeah, absolutely obliterated to watch this game tomorrow. I cannot wait. Since Pace yourself, you're the man. young man. That, that was fire. Yourself. I knew it would be good. I knew it would be great. That was amazing. Right. And Joe, see look at Joe. See He's, the dip tomorrow. Yeah, see, see you the there, dip. buddy. Uh, all right. Cafe dip tomorrow. I'm there. 10 to 2. Joe Bo going to be there with me. If he can, you know, stand after his just like, <laughs> dude, happy okay? man like, Yeah, anyway. <laughs> we'll see you then. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those things.